Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and I would like to welcome you to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy, a podcast that takes a look at stories of life and leadership for smart, amazing women and men like you. The most important thing is showing up. Don't think that you have to bring anything. Bring yourself, show up, and and remain steadfast and be a... If you are in a position of leadership and a position of management, bring women along with you. Supporting women is my passion and my purpose. And talking with other women and men who promote women's leadership is one of my favorite things to do. I've yet to meet a woman who did not know what she really wanted. She was just either afraid to ask the questions or she was afraid of what the answers meant. Their stories connect us and help us to understand that the possibilities are endless if we support each other and lift other women up. Trust is created by persistent identity. I show up as myself time and time and time again. And trust is built. It's one conversation at a time. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and I'm very pleased to welcome Susan Whiting to Smart Mation Conversations with Dr. Nancy. Susan serves as the board chair of one of my favorite social profit organizations, the National Women's History Museum in Washington, D.C. She brings to this position a long list of C-level executive positions, including working at as a CEO, chair of Nielsen Global Media Business, then vice chair and parent company. She also became Nielsen's first chief diversity officer in in her role there as vice chair and led the efforts to create a highly successful global diversity and inclusive program. Susan has also given many, many keynotes as keynote speeches, spoken at major international conferences, and delivered expert testimony to the Senate subcommittee and the FTC. She has written several articles on thought leadership and consumer measurement and is recognized as being the leader in understanding consumer behavior and operating in information services and data companies. She currently serves on the board for several publicly held traded companies and also acts as an advisor to private companies and early stage companies. Besides being, sorry about that, that's not supposed to happen. Uh, (laughs) That's not supposed to happen. (laughs) She currently serves on the boards for several publicly traded companies and as an advisor to private companies and at early stage ventures, besides being board chair of the museum. I'm so pleased to see you again and to have you with me today, Susan. And uh, this is going to be so exciting talking about you and the museum and the National Women's History Museum and what is happening there. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you, got, Nancy. I got through it. I did it. I did it. I got through it. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, now this is wonderful. I'm I'm so excited. Uh, but you know, first I want to talk about you because the journey, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit more. But the journey that we take as women, sometimes the journey itself is is most important. And for you, you've been so involved with the museum and so many so many companies about sharing information and this history is so very very important so tell us about you and how you got to be you today and then we'll talk about how you got to be the chair of the national women's history museum 
Oh, thank you. Um, well, it's appropriate that, first of all, thank you for having me. It's very exciting. And, um, and I'm excited to talk about all those topics. Maybe a little less so about me, but we'll start there. I'm actually... You're important. You're very important. Well, it's, it's appropriate to talk about, about sort of background here because I'm sitting actually in my home office in, in Wisconsin on property that was in our family and on our farm um, for generations. And it's actually where I grew up. And my house is newer, but being here isn't new. And I've had a big circle in life in um, growing up in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, which is a really beautiful small town between Milwaukee and Chicago. And um, when I you know, went to school locally, had family around, obviously spent a lot of my time outside in nature because, and on the lake, I love water, swimming, sailing, and uh, eventually went to college, um, having no idea really what to study and not really knowing, knowing I wanted a career and to work. And I'd always built even little businesses at home when I was in high school, you know, to make spending money. Anyway, <laughs> I, but I didn't know what was possible. And there's, that's one of the, the messages I would, I would bring forward I knew what my aunts did. I knew what my mother did um, in teaching and being speech therapists. And, and I had some really entrepreneurial relatives on both sides of my family, but I didn't really know what that meant. So I go to college, decide I'll study to be a speech therapist. They eliminate the department and I'm taking math and science classes, which I'd always liked and uh, took economics and I loved it. And I said, well, this is what I'm going to do instead. So that's a pretty big switch from the one to the other. But I, I really understood it. It made sense to me. We did a lot of research into organizations, even in college, and how they worked and the economic impact they could have. And that interested me. So when I got out of school, I was looking for a job. I had to work. I wanted to work. And I thought I wanted to be in a big city after after uh, growing up in a small town with a lot of exposure to New York and Chicago and other places, but they're not the same at all. And I ended up in a management training program for the Nielsen company, which produces probably most famously the TV ratings. And uh, it was a first time they ever did the program. They were going to hire one person, got it down to two of us. They hired both of us. And I was one of them, the first woman in this. And I spent a year learning all about how we how we did what we did, which was incredible experience, literally how we created the ratings and, and built the consumer measures we used that really fueled the whole television advertising business. And after a year, I went to New York. They sent me to New York to work in this little tiny startup business that was supporting the cable television industry as it was starting. So think appropriately right now, CNN, when CNN was being launched, those were our clients. Wow. And I loved this business. I loved building what was new, working with clients, coming up with solutions. Um, so I just was very fortunate because, you know, it's not typical that you always end up in a, in a job where your first job, particularly in a company that you like. But Nielsen was global then, even as a family owned company. And I that part interested me. So fast forward to a bunch of assignments and helping build parts of the company and create new products. And every time, because we were building something new within a bigger company, it was very entrepreneurial, but it still had the structure of a large organization. And 
And I never intended to, to have a long-term career there. I just liked what I was doing and I kept getting assignments. And that is true. And eventually I had done enough of the different things in sales and marketing and product development and, and programming a PC and whatever it was that um, I was a senior vice president in charge of all the relationships with our big clients. And my boss was going to retire at some point I knew because the company was being sold. And one of my aunts, I have an incredible group of aunts on both sides of my family or had said to me one day, Susan, you know, I think you could be the president of the company. And I just looked at her and I said, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. Um, and I, and, and I had not ever expressed that out loud. I, I really, really loved my boss and, um, I went into him and I find that because she said that to me, I went in and said, you know, if you're going to retire at some point, I would like to be considered for the job. And he said, thank you. And eventually I got the job and that became, it took a long time, but the president and the CEO of the Nielsen media business, which then, and that was in the U S and then it became the global media business. Yeah. And it became a different role. And so, a 35-year career from the first job out of college, if you think about that, to the vice chairman of a company where I could, I went all over the world. So that's the yeah. kind of me. Well, but that was really the foundation of media. I mean, as you, you know, you were starting at the at the at, at a level. What I mean, look at where we are today as far as communication and everything that we're doing, you were, you were building those building, those were building blocks that you were creating. So what people like, I mean, Nielsen ratings is really what, what do people want? What do people like? I mean, you have to know your audience and you have to know what the, what they want and what you can sell and what you can buy. And I mean, that's, that's pretty fantastic. I mean, you know, the hand, I mean, on the heartbeat itself of of social media as well. I thought thought that was, what was so interesting about it. I mean, I'm, I'm very curious by nature and you just kept learning. And then there was the technology. So I managed huge staff of engineers because it's a very technically driven business, sure. social research to get people to agree to participate all issues that have risen today, even, you know, in the, in the world we're in today with a different kind of television and the internet issues like privacy issues, you know, data privacy and all the things we tackled um, to me were just constantly new things to learn about. Yeah. Kind of like be, be careful what you wish for (laughs) along what comes with it. You're going to have to consider the other elements. And and of course, privacy has been huge. I mean, we have, we have, you know, unfortunately the kids have had the, that's been the, the greatest lesson learned or, who children are using these media sources and have struggled and and also been been bullied and so forth. But I mean, again, these foundations and these things that you were doing were absolutely fantastic. Okay, well, I know we're gonna we've only got so much time, and it's so important about the museum. Okay, so you're the right person because you and I both know the museum is about stories. The museum is about contributions, but. Uh, you know, Tiffany Shalane, I'm, I'm going to jump in here just for a minute, but Tiffany Shalane is an amazing Emmy Award winning documentarian. She has created more documents, but she do, uh, she created the do, uh, documentary uh, 50 Women Can Change the World. 
And this was about all the women in our history who have done amazing things from science to math to any conceivable area that you can think of. But, but the point of the document, uh, the documentary was that we don't know the stories. We don't know where we've come from. And so women have come from a place of abundance forever, but we didn't know that. We haven't had those stories to understand and know. So for me, this museum is just exactly what we need as women, exactly what the world needs uh, to understand where we all are, are all in this together, but yet women, we, we are coming from a huge place of abundance. Absolutely. I, I think what attracted me to the work of the National Women's History Museum was, you know, my whole life's experience of what you just said, which is looking for models, looking for examples, trying to understand who came before you and what they did, how one person having one conversation can change, you know, a person and a family's whole life. Um, and so I, I was always a big fan of education because I knew that was so important. Sure. Big value. But, but the idea of discovering all these stories about women who had contributed to our entire nation's history, but whose stories weren't told. And then I'll just add the part that I, I loved connecting from my Nielsen experience was doing some of the actual research and counting <laughs> of how few women were in any of our textbooks or curriculum. And something so basic is understanding that and then being able to talk to people about it opens people's eyes and they say, how is that possible? But it is possible. Yeah. Our mission is... But we knew who was, but we now know who, who was writing the history yes. books, don't we? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, but there's so, every woman has a story and every family has stories that they probably either talk about within their group or have forgotten. And the opportunity, I think, to recognize women's names for what they've done and to have that written into our history it's so important because it's our history is not complete without that. And yeah. that's part of it. And the second part is, um, and so we do a lot of that work at the national women's history museum by bringing those stories and making them accessible for free 24 hours a day on our website, doing curriculum for teachers, um, putting on programs and interviewing people. And it's a very living, you know, forward looking inspirational opportunity to learn these things and I think a lot of people think of museums and they think it's a big building I'm going to walk in I might feel uncomfortable you know I have to go there we're a very different kind of place we will have a place yeah very very interactive yeah the there are so many even universities have dropped women's studies and this was one area that women could actually go in and study the history of women but but as you said you know, we don't know those stories, so we don't really know whose shoulders we're standing on. You know, you came from a background with strong women in your family that were entrepreneurial and, and understood business and understood the importance of moving forward in their lives and having the self-esteem and confidence to do so. I also was very blessed to have two grandmothers and a mother that uh, were in business and were in the public eye. And, you know, and it made a huge difference. But there's so many women out there that don't have any idea of, but this history is their history. I mean, these these women that we're talking about and going to continue to share stories 
are women that each one of us has and will benefit from. So a lot of a lot of people I don't think know about the National Women's History Museum, and I hate to say that, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that out there. But the, the museum itself has been in existence. Tell us a little bit about the history of the museum. So it's this year, 26 years old. Started as a um, a group of women who moved a, the statue of the three women suffrage leaders that had been in the basement of the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., a statue that was given by a woman sculptor to the nation as a gift um, to celebrate the signing of the 19th Amendment, the ratification of the 19th Amendment. It, it was in the Capitol Rotunda for a very short period of time and then put away in the basement. So this group spent money raised money, got approval eventually to move the statue up to the Capitol Rotunda, and then said there must be a place for women's history, you know, a a bigger place. Mm -hmm. And that started a long um, process of building awareness and working toward the idea of having a building to represent the history and the accomplishments. But in the meantime, they were very smart. And they built a website to because they said the only way we're going to have access to this information in the meantime is if we have a different way for people to look at it. So this was quite different 20 plus years ago to have started with a website mm-hmm. and to be building that. And as a result, um, the National Women's History Museum is really the leading source of information on women history and their accomplishments in the U.S., And we have millions of visitors who come through the website. We put on all kinds of programs multiple times a week. You can sign up for things. We help teachers understand how to teach. And we had an aspiration also to build a hub and a place where we could physically gather in addition to the incredible work that the people coming before us um, on this museum initiative have done. So that's leading us to first ever really museum in residence idea where we will be the museum in residence at the Martin Luther King Jr. Library in Washington, D.C. Wow. And, and, and that, is, that is a beautiful, beautiful library. Yes. And such a wonderful place for such diversity and inclusion as well. Mm-hmm. Because it is the central library of the Capitol District, it has, well, pre-COVID, <laughs> millions of visitors, and it will again. It's been renovated. And we'll be able to work with the library, and we are, in putting on programs um, in person, but also, you know, virtual. We've already done some of that during Women's History Month. So it's really exciting. It's a different model. We like it also with the idea that we can teach people in this experience and in this library about how to bring their family's history, which is yeah. something the library is very interested in and, and keep that. So a great way to test this idea of doing sort of programming in person in a location and then bringing that to other parts of the country, yeah. maybe through libraries as well. Right. Yeah. We, we had talked about it as a satellite and that other other libraries and other organizations or other institutions would be uh, collaborating and resourcing and outsourcing uh, all the information because this is, as you said, a hub for so many things. What what is amazing about this is that the website and all the social media that was created is kind of the reverse. Oftentimes, people put it in a building 
and then they developed the website and then they developed the social media. So, so in some respects, the National Women's History Museum is ahead of the game. And uh, again, we'll have a, a physical site for people to visit. So I can walk in there. Okay, so I'm walking into the, the library and then I'm heading towards the location of the National Women's History Museum. And I want to do I want to find out about my family. So how does how do I do that? I want to find out about the women in my family. So what do I do? So the first that's we will get to that place eventually where we're going to start is an exhibit, a big physical exhibit a year from now in the um, that's on African American women in Washington D.C. who influenced all kinds of social change in the country, but separately in the lower level of the uh, library. There is a recording studio and there there are all kinds of spaces where what we want to be doing with the library is working on recording history and keeping it. And in terms of how you actually find your your um, history, we're going to have to work on those kinds of programs with other organizations that do this really well. So that's another part of our DNA, so to speak, is to be collaborating with those who um, are expert at what they do and bringing them together. And we've been able during COVID to bring all kinds of partners together from all over the country, including outside of the U.S. on all kinds of topics. And we'll continue to do that. And this is a very important one in terms of how do I find my own family's history? How do I work on that? One of our board members is the head of the Massachusetts Historical Society, which is the, the oldest one in the U.S. And they're very connected to that as well. So more to come on that topic, but I think we've benefited greatly from the foresight of the people who started this organization in that we were digital. And during COVID, we were able to put on programs all all day. And that's a big benefit to us. And it led to something like the U.S. Quarters, um, the Women and Quarters program, where we got people's input you know, for what the U.S. Mint was going to do for women on quarters. We, we haven't gotten the big dollars yet, have we? <laughs> not, not the big dollars yet. That's what we're, we're shooting for, some bigger dollars, some mo- bigger monetary uh, significance. Okay, so this is, this is the exciting thing. This announcement was just made about the opening uh, of the museum to be located in the, the Martin Luther King Library. Tell me a little bit about that, because I know that just came about and we wanted to, to have this uh, opportunity to talk about it as quickly as possible. Well, you are right at the front of this um, because- Yay. We, <laughs> And you should be because you've been such an extraordinary supporter and just for everybody to know, we honored uh, Dr. Nancy, it's two years ago, I think. Yeah. Yes. Well, the, to me, the most important thing is leaving a legacy for my three daughters and my seven granddaughters. So for me, leaving a legacy is so important. Okay, so it was announced. Uh, what? So we announced in March. It just came out in our magazine and in, in the work that we're doing around exhibits that are going to start, some of them smaller in programming. In March, Women's History Month, we just finished that. We did a series of programs even locally in Washington, D.C., so that people could understand our connection to the library. The library was not open because of COVID, so we had to do the programming virtually, but we put on all kinds of things to the library. 
The next thing that's going to happen that will be open to the public that's be, that we know for sure, and we're developing these every day, is a program in June, on June 10th. It's a showing of a film on Wilma Mankiller, who is one of the five women in 2022 to be on the court on the new set of quarters. And she was, you know, the first woman to head the Cherokee Nation and an activist. And this film is produced by Gail Hurd, who we've honored also, who is a really amazing filmmaker. So there'll be a showing of the film. Her family will be there. And then we'll have a reception. But the actual film and the, that event are open to the public. You have to register. There'll be more coming. You can find it on our website. But um, that's the first of, I think, many kinds of programs for children, for adults, as we go through the next year. And next spring, we will have a large physical exhibit on the first floor of the museum, excuse me, the library, our part of the museum. <laughs> we will walk in the front door and to your left um, on the first floor, you will be able to go through this interactive exhibit that's our first um, hands-on exhibit in this way. So there's a lot to come. It's very exciting. Um, we are so honored to be in that location, which yeah. is a historic location, and to work with this library, which is really leading the way in reimagining libraries. We're reimagining museums. It, it's, such a, it's such a beautiful, uh, welcoming center, you know, from the top that you can eat and you can yes. gather, and there's so many areas for children. I mean, it really is such a, a welcoming, warm place, and I can't think of a better place for the museum to be. You know, I I think I think I, I'm sure the response has been tremendous, and the people that hear about this, especially in Washington D.C., they should be very proud of this. You know, the whole world. I you know I can't wait for everybody to understand what's going on because you know a lot of people I'll talk to and they're kind of like, mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm. they just don't understand the significance and the importance of this museum and what we're going to be able to truly help people to understand, men, women, children, to understand the significance of women and how we have all been working together and will continue to work together. So what I know you're talking about what we can expect, but what, what for you as the board chair, what for you is probably one of the most important things that you hope to see happen in, in your tenure? Well, we've gone through a number of stages in my tenure and the focus has been to what you just suggested, to build awareness of what we're doing, to fund even more programs and educational programs, because you would think this existed in many places, but everything from teaching teachers how to talk about this subject to um, adults who are just curious doesn't exist in many places. So getting our that path clear, but having a place where we could um, acknowledge, you know, all of this work and put on these programs certainly been one of the leading goals. I like this model of having a partnership and being within an existing building that's a center of a town or a city, because that means the money we raise goes to the programs and the programming and not necessarily only to bricks and mortar. Bricks and mortar are wonderful, but we are affecting people in 50 states, <laughs> actually around the world, and everybody isn't going to make it to Washington, D.C. So I, have, I am very passionate about that point, that our education is critical, that it teaches 
you know, people to have courage about what's possible and hopefully others to respect women's contributions, but that we're accessible. Friendly, we're not- accessible, and yes. very, very uh, connect. It's connecting all the important dots. I love that part. Well, you know, Women Connect for Good, we're very excited because, again, the Lift Women Up campaign is one of our biggest, one of our major goal, goals this year is global reach. So we're, we're excited about that and with the Women Connect for Good, working with the museum as a, I would, I would hope that we understand that we are partners and collaborators <laughs> exactly. and we'll continue to help develop programming together. So I'm looking forward to that. But uh, I can't wait for June 10th. I'm going to be there. I cannot wait to I be there. I can't wait either. I think it'll be great. It will. <laughs> Okay, so how can people learn more about all the things that are going on? Where should they go? Give us the website or things that they yep. can reach out to, to find what they need to understand and know so we, what's going on. So I think we are making it pretty easy. Go to womenshistory.org. And, um, or if you go search women's history, you're going to find National Women's History Museum at the top, but it's womenshistory.org. And you will find... On our website, events like the one we're talking about, as soon as that's you know, out there to sign up. But things that happen every week, you can sign up. It's primarily in English, but we actually have an incredible partnership with Telemundo. Um, and we are translating, unlike many other institutions, a lot of our information into Spanish. Yeah. Uh, so you go in, you, you can find... Um, during Women's History Month or any month of the year when there's special people and groups we recognize, we actually have what we call a little toolkit of things you could do on a calendar every day of the month. Good. Uh, so that are free and accessible. So you can find programs, you can find um, electronic field trips for school. You can, if you're a teacher, you can get curriculum and lesson plans. So there's a lot there. Yeah, fantastic. Well, since Lift Women Up is our major campaign this year, and will be throughout the 52 weeks of this year, we see it only fitting that this should be the ultimate connection and the ultimate collaboration. So, Susan, I'm very excited. I know you are, too. Uh, I can't wait to see you in June. We'll celebrate together. But again, everyone go and check out the museum and all the wonderful things that you can connect with. Go out and learn your history. We all need to go out and have fun learning history. But what, you know, it's, it finally has come to me because I, I don't know if somebody said, what's your favorite subject? I wouldn't said I wouldn't have said history. But what my favorite subject now is the stories, the stories. And that's what history is. It's storytelling. So I can't wait to connect. And uh, thank you so much for your time and everything that you do. I know you all have worked so very hard for this to happen. And congratulations, a huge congratulations on this accomplishment. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I'm so excited to have more and more people know what we're doing and inspire everybody. <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're gonna do a lot of shout outs. So Susan, I'll see you soon. You have a wonderful day. See you in June. Okay, bye. Have a great day. See you later. Bye-bye. If you enjoy these smart, amazing conversations, please subscribe, rate, and review them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And read and enjoy more amazing stories in my books, In This Together, How Successful Women Support Each Other in Work and Life, and Leading Women, 
20 influential women share their secrets to leadership, business, and life. Thank you for listening.